Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. It can be found on page 930 in the Pew Bible in front of you. The last part of Acts 20. Page 930 in the Pew Bible in front of you. I'll be reading this text as we go, and there will be several passages that I'll be reading as we go, but we'll be starting in Acts, end of Acts 20. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we turn to your word here this morning, we ask that you would turn our hearts to Jesus, that as we look at the pages of scripture, that we would ultimately see Jesus and look to him as our Lord, as our shepherd, as our leader. So would you take my words this morning and would you use them in, in a way that would bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If someone were to ask you, who are the elders at Pleasant Ridge, what would you say? If someone were to ask you, who are the pastors at Pleasant Ridge, what would you say? Would you give the same answer or a different answer? I ask these questions at the beginning so that we can think clearly and concretely about elders, about their role, about their responsibilities, and about your relationship to them. You see, in today's churches and, and in today's culture, there is confusion over these terms. The person that we call pastor is the paid elder or staff elders, pastors, staff elders, and the men who are unpaid are simply called elders or lay pastors. There, there's confusion. And so if there's confusion over these, these terms, it might lead us to have misplaced expectations or a misunderstanding of one's duties. And with that being said, as we consider the structure of the church this morning, right, you looked at your bulletin, the structure of the church, oh, hear about structure, organization, how the church functions, we consider the structure of the church, what I want to do this morning is unpack the office of elder. Okay, so this morning we're going to unpack the office of elder, and then next week we'll consider deacons, the office of deacons. So first, first, consider with me the definition of an elder, or the definition of, of elders. When you hear the word elders, or elder, a number of images may come to your mind. You might think of people who are older, or, or advanced in years, you might envision a group of administrators, you know, sitting around a long table. Right? They just sit on a long table and make decisions. Or you might think of a CEO of a company. Or you might picture a committee that functions like other committees in a church. Whatever the image is, I want us to consider this morning how the New Testament defines and describes the office of elder and then address some of the duties and qualifications of an elder. 
So we're asking this question this morning. How does Scripture define or describe elders? Three terms. There are three terms the New Testament uses to describe or define an elder. Elder, overseer, pastor, or shepherd. Look with me in Acts 20, 28. Apostle Paul here is he's speaking to the elders in Ephesus. In Acts 20, 28, he says this to the elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The NIV states it like this. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds or pastors of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And then he reminds them that, that wolves are going to come in. After his departure, wolves are going to come in, not sparing the flock. So elders are overseers who are shepherds. This is, this is where we get the term pastors, right? They care for the church of God. So this word shepherds and pastors is the same word. If, you, if you're interested in languages, we get the word pastor from, from Latin. Latin is where this word comes from, which means shepherd. Okay, so another passage that links these three terms together is 1 Peter 5. Go ahead and turn to 1 Peter 5. So we're jumping towards the back of the Bible, towards the end of the Bible, page 1016. 1016, 1 Peter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. So we're going to see all three, of these, all three terms here in this, in this passage. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive, will receive the unfading crown of glory. The shepherds, the elders, shepherd the flock, and they exercise oversight. So elder, overseer, pastor. These three words are used interchangeably in the scriptures to describe the men who are appointed to the office of, of elder in the local church. So how would, how would we define elder? An elder is a shepherd of the flock of God, and an elder exercises spiritual oversight in the church. Right? So they're a shepherd of the flock of God, and they provide spiritual oversight in the church. Second, so my second point is this. We're moving quickly on that first one. My second point is this. Consider now the, the duties of elders. So the question I want to address here now is, is what are the responsibilities and duties of or tasks of an elder? What, what is their job description? Right? What do they do? As most of you know, I'm an assistant high school softball coach. Okay, that's, that's what I do. I'm here in Glidden. I'm the assistant high school softball coach. And one of my specific tasks and responsibilities, both last year and this year, is to be the, the hitting coach. 
Okay, so my primary task is, is to focus on hitting. So there's an element. If the, if the girls aren't hitting, I feel responsible, right? I feel responsible if the girls aren't getting that part of the uh, job done. If they're not hitting the ball well, that's on me, right? I, I feel the, the weight of that. And, and with this expectation and with this primary focus, if the girls have questions on hitting, where do they go? They typically go to me, right? They typically come to me. And so up front, before the season began, there was a clear description, both seasons, there was a clear description of what my job was, what I am to do, right? Both coaches have done that. And if I get sidetracked with, with other responsibilities that, that pull me away from that job, whether it's working on base running, right, or taping someone's ankle, maybe taping a thumb recently, what, while hitting is going on. So if I'm pulled, if I'm pulled in other directions while that's happening, while we're doing the hitting, then it's possible that I'm not going to be as effective in that job, right? And I might not meet my own expectations or the expectations of the team. In a similar way, without a clear, precise job description that the elder is aware of or the congregation, the church, we might get sidetracked. Right, so knowing our duties and responsibilities, both as, as individuals and as a church, helps us with expectations. Right? It helps us be more effective in what we're called to do. So I want to, I want to unpack now those three terms that I used to define an elder. Right? Since we, this will bring clarity to the duties of an elder. Right? So we, we said elder, overseer, pastor, or shepherd. Number one, elder... We can think of someone who is mature, right? One of the qualifications of an elder, which we'll look at in a moment, is first Tim, in 1 Timothy 3, 6, is that the elder must not be a recent convert. So he's not necessarily young in the faith, right? He's, he's been a believer for some time. There's an existence of spiritual maturity that is evident in his life. In the Old Testament, the elders... And Israel represented the people and had positions of leadership in the covenant community. Numbers eleven sixteen says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand with you. Verse 17, And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you may not bear it yourself alone. Might I just add, this is the value here at Pleasant Ridge. We have a plurality of elders. There is value in having multiple people, multiple men serve as elders in our church so that none of us carry the burden alone. And I am thankful for that, that I don't carry the burden of the church alone. In a similar way here, the New Testament, would the elders are called to lead the church. Right? In Acts 14, elders are appointed in every church. In Acts 15, when, the, when a question arose concerning circumcision, concerning a doctrine in Scripture, it was the apostles and the elders who gathered together to consider the matter. 
Therefore, one of our tasks as elders is to lead the church in the ways of the Lord. Right? So mature men who are leading, striving to lead the church in the ways of the Lord. So we can also think of it in terms of, of overseer. Right? And overseer refers to the idea of watching over something. Right? Watching over people or things. Describe someone who is in, in charge or responsible for an operation. We see this in Numbers 4, 16. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, shall have charge of, there's the word overseer, he shall have charge of the oil for the light, the fragrant incense, the regular grain offering, and the anointing oil, with the oversight of the whole tabernacle and all that is in it, of the sanctuary and its vessels. So to be an elder as an overseer in the church, involves watching over the spiritual health and well-being of the church. It's hard to compare the offices of, of a church to that in the business world, but, and I'm cautious to do so, but you could imagine, so thinking in terms of an overseer, you could think of maybe a manager, right? Someone who oversees an operation or organization. You might imagine a superintendent who's concerned about the life of, of a business or a school, or an organization. That's, that's the idea here. An elder, as an overseer, is actively involved and invested in the life of the church. I would say at this point, in the New Testament, there were, there were certainly those who did that full time, right? And they were supported by the church. 1 Timothy 5.17 let the elders who rule well, who direct the affairs of the church well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. And so that's what we do here at Pleasant Ridge, right? You pay me, you support me financially so that I can labor in, in preaching and teaching and caring for you, right? So it's my full-time job. And even like Timothy, similar here as well, even like Timothy, some come from outside the local church to be called as elders of a local church. Timothy, Timothy specifically moved to Ephesus and became one of the elders. And Paul wrote letters to Timothy, Right? So there was some distinction in his function, perhaps similar to mine here as well. Right? I, I came from Louisville, was called by you to be one of your elders. And you support me uh, in this task. And like the Apostle Paul, some of the elders had other jobs. Right? So not everyone has the t maybe the time to, to, uh, to devote entirely their full-time work to uh, the, the various tasks, right? So the Apostle Paul had other jobs. So elders as overseers, they direct the affairs of the church, right? We are invested in watching over you spiritually. Third term, the third term, which I think helps us grasp what an elder does is seen in the role as a pastor or shepherd. With this imagery, we see the church as a flock of God, Right, as the pastors or shepherds care for the sheep. 1 Peter 5, and Peter says this, Elders are to pastor or shepherd the flock of God that is among you, 
exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He is the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And we as elders are under shepherds, right? Who seek to follow the example of the good shepherd who willingly laid down his life for the sheep. An elder as a pastor or shepherd cares for the sheep. In Ezekiel 34, the Lord rebukes the shepherds of Israel. Here we see a negative example of the role of shepherds. Listen to Ezekiel 34. I was asking someone recently, how would you define the job or responsibilities of a shepherd? What does a shepherd do? And they pointed me to this text. Listen to Ezekiel 34. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So the Lord rebukes them for this. And then, then he adds this, Behold, I... I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered. So will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a a day of clouds and thick darkness. Ezekiel 34, 34, 14 says this, and I will feed them with good pasture. Verse 16, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. And isn't this what Jesus has done for us? Isn't it? He did this as our good shepherd. He laid down his life for us. Jesus seeks after you. Oh, that you would hear his voice in his word and draw near to him. He's a good shepherd. He brings you back. He binds you up. He strengthens you. It is he who holds you fast. When you feel that, when you feel like you are falling or straying, Christ holds us. The imagery of a shepherd with his sheep is that he watches over them. He protects them from outside danger or threats. He leads them He knows them. He searches for lost sheep. He cares for those who are weak and sick 
and for those who are going astray. And oh, I feel the responsibility and weight of this. And ultimately, he feeds them. He feeds them so that they grow strong and reproduce. We see this is one of the main purposes of a pastor. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor teachers or the shepherd teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. So our duties, our duties as elders is to commit ourselves to the pastoral care and spiritual oversight of the church. Primarily, this involves the, the ministry of the word and prayer. So practically, right? Practically, how, how does this relate? What does this look like now? Well, practically, some of our duties then are, are to devote ourselves to the word of God and to prayer, right? We visit, practically it looks like visiting members of the church, meeting in discipleship relationships, leading Bible studies, teaching Sunday school classes or small groups, preaching and teaching during our worship service, praying over the sick, seeking those who might be hurting or going astray, counseling, equipping members in the church in various ministries, and providing vision and direction for the church. And there's probably... Several other things that I missed that you can bring to my attention later that I need to be doing, all right? As we think of the duties of elders, I also want us to be aware that as elders, right, we may have distinctions in, our, in function, right, with some of us having an emphasis in certain areas. That's one of the benefits here at Pleasant Ridge of having plurality of elders, right? The Lord has gifted each of us in different ways, right? So some of us might do more teaching. Some of us might do more counseling. But we are all equal. I am equal with the elders, okay? We are all equal. And we all share the duties of leading and shepherding you together. A third third point is this, as we look at the qualifications of, uh, of elders. Let's look at the qualifications of elders. I'm not going to unpack this fully. Right? There, there's so much to be said here. I just want you to be aware of the qualifications. So look with me on page 992 in the Pew Bible. 992, 1 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. So here's the office of overseer or elder or pastor. Here is their qualifications. And we get to vote on elders later, so it's kind of fun to see this. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? 
He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So several truths jump out at us. Several truths here I want you to see. The man, he, the man, desires the office. Right? The man, that falls on hard times in our world today. The man desires the office. He is willing and eager to serve in this capacity. Right? So, so when we're looking at qualified men in our church, one of the first questions I ask of these men as, as names were brought up is, do you even want to be an elder? Right? Because if they don't desire it, then, then that, that's one of the first things that's mentioned. If anyone aspires to this office. Okay? So we find out, are they even interested? Okay? So the man desires the office. Number two, his Christ-like traits. We see that jump out at us here. Right? And we should all be striving for those. And I know none of us fulfill these perfectly. I look at this list and I think, oh, I fail, I fail, I fail, I fail, I fail. But if you were to look at his life, so even in saying that, if you were to look at his life, you could or should say, yeah, I should imitate him because he imitates Jesus. That's what it looks like to be a Christian. We should be able to say as elders, and, and I've already said I fail, but we should be able to say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Right? We saw that in 1 Peter 5. Shepherd the flock, right? pastor the flock, exercising, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. So, so you want to serve in this way, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, right? Eagerly. And then, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. We shouldn't lord over people, right? Elders don't lord over people. They set an example for the believers in, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So he desires the office. He displays Christ-like life. Third, he's able to teach. Right? This is distinct from the office of deacons. He's able to teach. This is one of the, the one trait that isn't related to his moral character. Right? It's not always that he's teaching in the church, but he has the ability to teach, and in general, he's involved in the teaching ministries of the church. Number four, he manages his household well. Right? So there's some relationship between leading and managing your own home to leading and, and caring for the church. And number five, that jumps out at me, jumps out at you, I hope, is that he has a good reputation among believers and unbelievers, right? He, he's been a believer for some time. He's respectable. By, he's respected by those in the church and in the community. And so in application for this point, as, as a church, 
These are characteristics that we should all be striving for. Okay, I don't want us to miss this, because these are Christ-like qualities that we should all be seeking and striving for. And now fourth, the practical implications. As we conclude, I want to list several practical implications for us as elders and as a church as we seek to apply this to our lives. Five. I've got five for you. As elders, we take seriously our call to shepherd you and care for you and watch over you spiritually. So practically, what we've done is is we have formed shepherding groups where there is elder oversight and pastoral care for you in the church. Right? So I can't know everyone in the exact same way as one of your elders. Right? And so the elders share this responsibility. Number two... As elders, we must take seriously our devotion to God's word and to prayer. We should set an example for, for, example for what it looks like to follow Jesus. We should display servant leadership. Servant leadership. Three, as a congregation, we should be willing to allow our elders to lead us and care for us, right? To lead you and care for you. And I would encourage you, to be willing to share what's going on in your lives with the elders. Right? Knowing that you have access to any one of these godly men. Number four, as a congregation, seek ways to encourage and pray for your elders. Right? How can I encourage the elders? How can I be praying for the elders? Number five, as a congregation, with the mention of the godly qualifications that we saw regarding an elder, we should all strive for this. We should all strive for Christ-likeness right? and follow his example, knowing that as elders, as one of the elders, we fail and fall short. Right? So that's my hope for you as, as we conclude is that we would look to Jesus. We would look to him as our great shepherd. If you have not done that this morning, that is my plea with you this morning is that you would look to Jesus Christ to have him be your savior, to have him be your Lord, to have him lead you, to have him guide you, and to have him shepherd and care for your soul. So let's look to Christ who condescended, who took on flesh to ransom us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we have seen how Christ is our great shepherd. He laid down his life for the sheep. And oh, to follow his example, the weight of it. We personally feel this as elders as we seek to shepherd the people here at Pleasant Ridge, as we seek to, sh- seek to care for, uh, for those in our body. 
I pray that you would continue to strengthen us as a congregation, that we would always be looking to Jesus, that we would seek him and follow him because he is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy to be sought after. So we even ask this morning that you would enable us to surrender to him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.